It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into the Yards After College podcast, brought to you by KSLSports.com. I'm your host, Kyle Ireland, and we've got two weeks of the NFL season in the books, folks. We've got a couple of games to talk about and a few local guys that I want to touch on today. You know, it was a quiet week in the NFL for these locals in the NFL. I'm going to tone down our instant replay from last week because... Last week, we just had a ton of guys to talk about, and some of the performances by these locals in the NFL were a little bit more subtle this week. There were a number of guys that had, you know, a few carries here or there, a few receptions. Guys like former Utah running back Zach Moss, who had eight carries for 37 yards, but not a lot of, you know, big highlight plays, so to speak, for the overall locals in the NFL. But there were a few guys that I wanted to touch on that I thought had excellent performances. So we're going to kick it off, just start talking about some of these local performances by these locals in the NFL, former Utah players, BYU players, you know, Utah State high school guys, guys that have played in the state of Utah that are now in the National Football League. And then after that, we're going to welcome in KSLSports.com, Utah Utes insider and host of the Crimson Corner podcast, Trevor Allen. You may have heard my conversation with Trevor on his Crimson Corner podcast that we posted on the Yards After College podcast feed a few weeks ago before the opening week of the NFL season. But we're going to have Trevor come on and talk about some of these former Utah Utes who were, you know, a few of them are just having excellent starts to the 2020 NFL season. We're going to talk with Trevor about those guys. So let's get started by talking about some of these locals in the NFL, and then we'll turn it over to Trevor and my conversation with him about the Utes. But starting off, I wanted to talk about Julian Blackman. Utah Utes safety now turned into a rookie safety for the Indianapolis Colts, that is. Julian Blackman came into the season third on the Colts' depth chart. He was coming off of a significant knee injury that he suffered in the Pac-12 championship game last season. And it was nice to see Julian Blackman. You know, I thought the Colts were going to work him back into the rotation slowly, but They ended up needing him by necessity in the second game of the season. He was inactive in the first game where Jacksonville beat Indianapolis. But the second week of the season against the Minnesota Vikings, Julian Blackman had a really nice performance. Uh, If you happened to be watching the game, you saw him, you know, break on this deep ball pass from Kirk Cousins. And he tipped the ball. He, you know, played the ball perfectly. He tipped the ball up and one of his teammates, Kyrie Willis, ended up intercepting the ball and bringing it back down, and the Colts ended up scoring on their next possession because of it. Uh, Julian Blackman had two pass breakups and a pair of tackles in that game. He started the second half, and the Colts ended up losing Malik Hooker, their starting sa- one of their starting safeties. Uh, he's out for the season with a torn Achilles, and so the Colts are going to have to turn to Julian Blackman now. They're going to look to him as a guy that's going to have to step in and play a lot of minutes, if not start some games. You know, a lot of these rookies 
aren't looked upon to play significant roles. But Julian Blackman, you know, the Colts think really highly of him. And, you know, I would expect to see him continue to have more of a responsibility in that secondary you know, as the season kind of gets rolling along. Another Utah, another former safety that had a really nice performance was Marcus Williams for the Saints in their 34-24 loss on Monday Night Football to the Las Vegas Raiders. He had nine tackles, including seven solo tackles. Uh, Bad news for another Utah, former Utah safety, is Marquise Blair. Blair ended up uh, tearing up his knee in the Seattle Seahawks 35-30 win over the New England Patriots. Uh, Seahawks Head coach Pete Carroll said that, you know, Marquise Blair, it's going to be tough to replace him, but he's going to be out for the rest of the season, and Seattle will sorely miss him as he was kind of coming into his own for the Seahawks. But Jamal Williams, former BYU running back, had a nice game for the Packers in their 42-21 to win over the Detroit Lions. He had eight carries and 63 yards on the ground. Former BYU linebacker Kyle Van Noy had a nice performance in the Miami Dolphins 31 to 28 loss to the Buffalo Bills. Van Noy ended up having four tackles, one pass breakup, and then he forced a fumble. Uh, it's it's kind of a bummer for me watching Kyle Van Noy because he saw the success that he had with the New England Patriots and the fact that he's now with the Miami Dolphins who were a young rebuilding team that seems like they've been rebuilding for a decade plus now. And so the Miami Dolphins, they're 0-2 now. Uh, Van Noy's, you know, one of the leaders on that defense. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Dolphins can, you know, start to pick up a few wins here because uh, I just, I like to see all these local guys, you know, in winning environments. Um, Fred Warner, another former BYU linebacker, had, you know, a, a really great performance. The 49ers just destroyed the New York Jets on uh, Sunday and Fred Warner ended up having 12 total tackles including nine solo tackles in that win he's just he's becoming one of the best linebackers in the National Football League and it's exciting to see Uh, a big performance that I wanted to touch on though was probably the highlight of the weekend for the locals in the NFL it's former Bingham star uh, former Bingham Miners tight end Dalton Schultz he had a really nice game so the Dallas Cowboys ended up losing their starting tight end, Blake Jarwin, for the rest of the season. And Dalton Schultz stepped in for their second week performance. And he just, he had an excellent game against the Atlanta Falcons. First off, if you didn't watch that game, I recommend you go back and watch the highlights because the Cowboys were trailing by multiple scores for the majority of that game. And Dalton Schultz helped them. He ended up getting a touchdown late in the game. Uh, the Cowboys ended up coming back and kicking a game-winning field goal as time expired to beat the Falcons 40 to 39. But he ended up Dalton Schultz ended up leading the Cowboys in receptions. He had 10 catches for 88 yards and a touchdown. Unfortunately, he had one blemish on his stat line. He ended up losing a fumble, but the Cowboys ended up winning the game by one. And Dalton Schultz ended up having an awesome performance. It was a career performance for him. It was his first NFL touchdown in his you know, young career. Uh, he's, you know, played a number of games for the Cowboys over his three years, but he ended up having an excellent game against the Falcons. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, Dak Prescott continues to target him like he did against Atlanta because Dalton Schultz might end up becoming one of those tight ends, one of those young tight ends in the NFL that you look at as, you know, a big bodied receiver. 
You know, you you look at some of the guys in the National Football League, I think of like George Kittle or Zach Ertz or Travis Kelsey, those big tight ends that, you know, go out and are great, you know, receivers at the same time. I see that potential for Dalton Schultz. He had an awesome career at Stanford, and he's, you know, really starting to come into his own in the NFL here with the Cowboys, you know, thrusting him into a starting role with uh, the injury to Blake Jarwin. So uh, fun to see Dalton Schultz have that performance. Uh, A number of other guys in the NFL I I wanted to see have good performances over the weekend, but, you know, we didn't have a lot of highlight plays this week, unfortunately. We didn't have, you know, the big touchdowns or the multi-touchdown performances or the the fumble recoveries or the interceptions, pick sixes, those types of things. So I'm looking forward to more of that in week three because – you know, those are the plays that we all like talking about. Those are the plays that make Sports Center. Uh, it's it's fun to see, you know, the big highlight plays. But we're going to come back after a quick break now. On the other side, you're going to hear my conversation with Utah Utes insider and host of the Crimson Corner podcast, Trevor Allen. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. back into the Yards After College podcast. Happy to be joined now by the one and only KSL Sports Utah Utes insider Trevor Allen. Trevor's been covering the Utes for, heck, it seems like a decade now. I mean, it might be over a decade for all I know, but Trevor's our Utah insider, and uh, I wanted to bring him on to talk about some of the locals in the NFL from the University of Utah that are really just tearing it up for through the first two weeks of the NFL season. Trevor, how are you doing today? Kyle, it's always good to talk football with you and especially about the Utes. But, yeah, I've actually been covering the Utes since about 2010. I had about a, a break of about, oh, probably about three months where I didn't – where I wasn't in the uh, sports uh, business. But but once I got back in and uh, connected with KSL Sports, uh, I was back on the Ute beat. So, yeah, it's been about 10 years, uh, if you will. Well, I'm, I'm excited to have you on because, like you said, you have that decade of knowledge of these guys from the University of Utah and – there's a number of guys that are, you know, young in the NFL from the Utes program. And I wanted to touch on just a few of them with you today. Through the first two weeks of the season, we've seen some highlight plays by some of these locals in the NFL, including these Utes. 
And one of the guys that really impressed me, and it was his first debut, or it was his debut, it was his first NFL game, and it was Indianapolis Colts safety Julian Blackman. He was inactive for the Colts during their week one loss against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but he was able to step on the field for their win last week uh, on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. Julian had two tackles, a couple of pass breakups, and he had one play, Trevor, where, you know, Kirk Cousins, he's been known to do this where he just kind of throws up these, you know, jump balls. And it was it was a bad pass. But Julian, you know, he played the ball perfectly and he hit it up into the air. And one of his teammates intercepted the pass and they took it back and ended up scoring on that next possession. So it was nice to see him, you know, make it make a play a deep contribution for the Colts in his first game. What did you think of Julian's first performance in the NFL after, you know, you were at the PAC 12 championship game where he got hurt last year and you saw him go down. He was able to recover, you know, pretty quick. And now he's stepping in a lot sooner than I thought he would. Yeah. I mean, it it was really interesting to see because, you know, following his career of what he's done, you know, coming out, out of late in high school, and then uh, joining the University of Utah, playing corner for, for most of his career. And then that, that last year, right after, um, you know, uh, so, some of the safeties, you know, left when uh, Blair went into the NFL draft, um, they then moved him over from corner to safety to kind of let Jalen Johnson do his thing on, on one side. And, you know, they, ha- they actually had a really good secondary group last year. So they're like, you know, we kind of have a void here at safety. Let's, let, you know, throw him there. So then they went through him there and he made a seamless move over there I mean he you, you couldn't have asked more from him to from switching from corner to safety I know it's a little bit different but not really I mean it's not like you're you know switching him from cornerback to quarterback but the the thing about him is that he is so aggressive he's so physical he is a freak of an athlete and he's very smart out out on the field and one of the things that he, he does well he's able to read you know uh, of, of what the routes are doing he's also able to you know, communicate with with his teammates and, you know, just something that really stands out to me from him. But to see him get in that game, I mean, as soon as I found out he was active, for one, to start practicing prior to the season, I thought was impressive because we haven't even hit a year. I I think we've hit nine, ten months since he got hurt in that Pac-12 championship game. And just seeing him go down in that game was just devastating because he had worked so hard and had such a bright future going into the league to have that happen, and and frankly, as, as we all know what happened in that Pac-12 championship game, Utah needed Julian Blackman, and that, you know, the fact that, that they didn't have him for the rest of that game was really sad, and they didn't have him for the, for the bowl game, which was another loss, but for him to, and, you know, talking to you about this, Kyle, with, with you being a Colts fan, seeing how, you know, Julian fits in with, with this team, you know, I thought it was going to be about a year uh, until he was going to really get reps, and he was thrown right into the mix after that injury to uh, to Hooker, I think, right? Uh, it's uh, sorry, yeah, Malik name. Hooker. Yeah, yeah, Malik Hooker. He comes in, and you know, Julian comes in uh, after he goes out, and he he just makes amazing plays, and that's something that he does. Um, he he's not he's not a guy who's really scared of of, of the big time moments. He's he's willing to make those big plays and just does whatever he can to help his team win. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Malik Hooker there. He was going into a contract year for Indianapolis. Um, he ended up tearing his Achilles, and so he's out for the rest of the season. Julian Blackman started the second half against the Vikings and played really well, like we've talked about. So he started the season, Trevor, you know, in training camp. He was not practicing a ton. He was They were bringing him back slowly from the injury, like you said. But he was on the three deep, 
And now, you know, he could potentially be starting for Indianapolis next week, which is pretty crazy to think about just the timetable and how quickly he's come back into full form. It'll be exciting to see how Julian Blackman does for Indianapolis with the amount of playing time that is coming his way with Hooker's injury. Uh, You mentioned Marquis Blair there, you know, coming in, Julian Blackman coming in and kind of filling in for Marquis Blair at Utah. Well, Marquis Blair you know, he suffered an injury last week. You saw him go down on the field. He was grabbing his leg, his knee area on the turf, kind of writhing in pain. He was able to get up and walk to the sideline and then go to the locker room. But Pete Carroll, the Seahawks head coach, said after the uh, win against the New England Patriots that uh, Marquise Blair was going to be out for the rest of the season after he's going to need some knee surgery. Um, he said that it's going to be difficult to replace a guy like Marquise Blair, who, you know, you saw the Seahawks last season, you know, slowly work Marquise Blair into the rotation. And he's really become a contributor for that Seahawks defense. And, you know, the Seahawks, they looked pretty good on Sunday night football against the New England Patriots. What do you think of Marquise Blair's injury? The fact that, you know, he was kind of up and coming for the Seahawks and what that does to his career trajectory. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's definitely one of those things that it's it's going to set set him back a little bit, right? I mean, that that is an injury that it's really hard to come back from. And, you know, just talking about of what Julian uh, went through, that was the exact same injury, basically, that a Julian had in the Pac-12 championship game. But, you know, of, of what Blair's going to have to do now, I mean, he's going to have to get get right, obviously. But it, it really sucks, too, because going into the year, Seattle was going to use him at, at, at they, they were going to kind of see how, how it worked out because he was doing really well at that position in training camp. And that's that uh, nickel corner position. They were going to use him there as, as basically that, that third cornerback. And, you know, think about Blair, he's really, really tall. He's a hard hitter. As you guys have seen, he probably, I think he led the country in targeting calls in his senior year at Utah. <laughs> he, I swear. he did, didn't he? He really did. It seemed like every other game he was getting kicked out for targeting. And, you know, a lot of it is just how physical he is. And I think that was one of the things that really stood out to scouts and and primarily the uh, Seattle Seahawks when they selected him. I think he was in the uh, third round of of the 2019 draft. And, you know, it just sucks because he he, he was going to try a brand new position. He was going to get a lot more more playing time this year than, than he did last year. And it, it was really probably going to be one of those coming out parties for for Blair as far as starting his career. At, at that next level. Yeah, another safety that I wanted to talk with you about today, Trevor, another former Utah safety. It seems like Utah, you know, Kyle Whittingham and Morgan Scally, those guys are just pumping safeties into the NFL. And another guy who's really just had a, a great, you know, open to his season is Marcus Williams of the New Orleans Saints. Now the Saints lost, you know, a pretty awesome game on Monday Night Football against the Las Vegas Raiders in their first game at Allegiant Stadium after beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the season opener in week one. But Marcus Williams has had two really great performances. He had that pick that you saw against Tom Brady in the first game of the season. But against Derek Carr and the Raiders, he had nine total tackles, including seven solo tackles in the Saints' 34-24 loss. What have you seen from Marcus Williams that has impressed you? Because it seems like he's taken you know another step this season. And that was something that you and I talked about uh, on, on this podcast. I think it was the, the uh, day, day before the opener between the Chiefs and the Texans. You know, I asked you, you know, some, some of the youths who really could take that, that next step. And, and you, you mentioned that it was Marcus Williams. And, you know, for, for me, to see what he's already done already in New Orleans, he's only scratching the surface. 
And, you know, because in that game, again, against the Las Vegas Raiders, he had, he had, a, he had a couple of plays where he, he messed up. I mean, there, w- there was one that uh, stood out to me when uh, Darren Waller, and I swear nobody could have stopped him on Monday Night Football, uh, the Raiders tight end. He, he uh, went out into the flat got it, um, and then what was starting to go up the field, and Marcus Williams was right there, had the right angle, just couldn't wrap up and tackle Darren Waller. And, and he ended up going for another nine yards after that before he even got tackled. So, the, so those are the things right there. But the thing that Marcus does well, he goes back, he, he checks out the film, he knows what he needs to correct himself on, and he's a smart player. He, he's going to be able to correct the, those things. And I know a lot of people are pointing at him for what happened in that NFC Championship game a couple years ago where he ended up missing that uh, tackle um and you know that wide open tackle and it and it, and it kind of became a oh my gosh Marcus Williams you know everybody blaming him but he's he's obviously bounced back from it and he's obviously become a better player because of it he's your Utah Utes insider at kslsports.com make sure to follow him on Twitter at Trevor A Sports Trevor Allen's gonna have everything for you guys you know the Pac-12 it looks like they're on the way to coming back and playing hopefully and you know hopefully we're able to see some Utah Utes football games this fall because everybody else is playing now, it seems like. So, Trevor, you're also the host of the Crimson Corner podcast, and I know you have a special episode coming up. Do you want to tease our listeners about that? Yeah, we're going to talk to a guy who's actually worked in the league for a little bit with, with the NFL Network, um, Mike Yam. He, he was formerly of the uh, Pac-12 Network. He's now doing Pac-12 Radio. Um, he is going to join me on Wednesday. We're going to go live on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and we're just going to talk about everything that that's going on within the PAC 12. It seems like over the last week, Kyle, and you've obviously been following it just as I have is how, how up and down all of this news is between the PAC 12 of, you know, first they're not able to play because California and Oregon aren't, aren't uh, allowing them to play And California, Oregon, give them the uh, thumbs up. And, and then, you know, the, the, CEO group doesn't vote on Friday when they have a meeting and then they, they push it all the way to Thursday and they're trying to play on Halloween. It's a mess, but we're going to talk to Mike Yam, diving into it, seeing what's going to happen because as I mentioned on Thursday, that is when the uh, PAC 12 CEO group is going to vote on when they're going to start the, uh, the uh, PAC 12 football season. And uh, we'll, we'll see if it's going to be Halloween, if it's going to be the first weekend in the month of November, is it going to be a little bit later? What is it going to be an eight game schedule, six game schedule? What is it going to be? So we'll, I'll, I'll uh, talk to Mike Yam about it. And I want, Anyone who's tuning into this, their, their reaction, you know, uh, send in your questions for Mike and we'll get them in uh, on that live uh, interview. Send those questions to him at Trevor A Sports on Twitter and at KSL Sports. You can follow the Crimson Corner podcast on whatever pr- podcast platform you guys use, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Don't miss out on that special edition with Mike Yam. That's Wednesday, September 23rd at 2.30 p.m. Thanks, Trevor. I appreciate your time today. Wow, it's always a pleasure. Welcome back to the Yards After College podcast brought to you by kslsports.com. I want to thank Utah Utes insider and host of the Crimson Corner podcast, Trevor Allen, for joining me this week just to talk about you know some of those Utah Utes in the NFL. It 
it's crazy. We've got almost 30 guys from the University of Utah in the NFL. So it's fun to talk about their performances each and every week. Hopefully we have some more big plays to talk about with those former Utah Utes in the NFL next week as well. Be sure to check out Trevor's special episode of the Crimson Corner with Mike Yam. You don't want to miss that, especially if you're a fan of the Pac-12 and all things in college football. But, you know, I want to just close up today's episode talking about the games that I'm looking forward to next week. So far throughout two weeks of the NFL season, we've had a number of really good games. I feel like the scoring's been awesome for a lot of these teams. We've had some good defensive battles. It's just been a well-rounded start to the NFL season. But coming up in week three of the NFL season, there's a few games that I want to touch on that I think are going to be really exciting to watch. The first game that is on Sunday morning, it's the Houston Texans against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you've got an 0-2 Texans team. You you want to see you know if Deshaun Watson without you know DeAndre Hopkins now can kind of rebound, get that team you know to start winning some games because the Texans you know they have they have a high expectation with that franchise to win their division and get back to the postseason. And then the Steelers you know with Big Ben back and healthy you know they're two and zero to start the year. It's it's fun to see him back and playing so well. Another game that I want to touch on is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, at 225 Mountain are taking on the Denver Broncos. That game will be interesting because you've got Drew Locke, who's going to be out a few weeks now for the Denver Broncos. Uh, the Denver Broncos don't start the season very often 0-2, and so it would be interesting to see if you know Dr- Jeff Driscoll, who's going to you know be their starting quarterback now. They've also signed Blake Bortles. Uh, if the Broncos can kind of get on a roll and get out of this rut against the Tampa Bay team that looked pretty good last week against the Carolina Panthers. And so that'll be a good game to watch as well. Another game to check out is the Dallas Cowboys are taking on the Seattle Seahawks, a number of local guys in that NFL game as well. That's 225 on Sunday afternoon. You've got the Seahawks who are undefeated at 2-0, the Cowboys who could possibly be 2-0 if they you know, just played a little bit better there at the end of the game uh, in the first week against the Los Angeles Rams. My gosh, that was a good game on Sunday night football. But uh, speaking of Sunday night football, you've got the Green Bay Packers at the New Orleans Saints. You've got the Packers. They're undefeated at 2-0. The Saints suffered their first loss last night against the Las Vegas Raiders. And so can the Saints bounce back? Can Drew Brees bounce back? Because it looked like you know, Drew Brees wasn't the same Drew Brees that we've seen for the past few seasons. It looked like he was struggling a little bit against the Raiders' defense, and so that'll be a good game. It's at 6.20 on Sunday night. You can watch that game on KSL TV. But the game of the week next week for week three is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs against the Baltimore Ravens. Both teams are undefeated at 2-0. and You've got the MVP from last season, Lamar Jackson, against the 2018 MVP Patrick Mahomes Uh, you've got you know all the makings for a great game I I think back to a few years ago I think it was in 2018 you had the Chiefs who were just on a roll playing against the Los Angeles Rams who were on a roll and that game ended up being one of the highest scoring games of the season if not the highest scoring game of the season that year Uh, it was an awesome game and so I expect something similar on Monday Night Football. That's going to be 615 Mountain on Monday night. You can watch that game on ESPN. 
But be sure to tune into the conversation on you know social media. You can hit me up at Kyle Ireland on Twitter and at Kyle Ireland KSL on Instagram. Let me know what you think the game of the week is. Which NFL guy, which local NFL guy you think is going to have the big, biggest performance in week three of the NFL season. But last thing before we let you go today, I want to talk about uh, a big story in the, in the NFL right now. You've got these NFL head coaches uh, who are supposed to be wearing face masks, face coverings on the sidelines. Uh, it's part of the NFL's policy for the 2020 season. Uh, you've got the NFL referees who are wearing the masks. You've got team personnel who are supposed to be wearing the masks or face coverings during the games. So far, we've gotten five coaches uh, from Sunday and Monday night's games who have been fined for not wearing face coverings. Uh, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, uh, Denver's Vic Fangio, Seattle's Pete Carroll, San Francisco head coach Kyle Shanahan, and then both coaches from the Monday Night Football game, uh, Saints head coach uh, Sean Payton, and then also Raiders head coach John Gruden were all fined $100,000 for not wearing face coverings during their games on the sidelines. So you, what you've seen is a lot of these coaches, they have their face masks on to start the game or face coverings, and then they'll pull the mask down because... You know, they're trying to call a player, they're talking to a player, something like that. Even when they're talking to officials, I've seen uh, where they've pulled down these face coverings. And the problem, I think, isn't that they pull them down to, you know, make a play call into the mic. It's the fact that they aren't pulling the mask back up afterwards. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that these coaches don't have to have the masks on, you know, all the time. They can pull them down for a second to be able to communicate into their mics, to be able to talk to their players, to get the, the calls in and whatnot. But, you know, with this era of social distancing and trying to get, you know, this virus under control in a lot of areas around the country where it's still pretty chaotic, you've seen even in, you know, the state of Utah where Provo and Orem have moved back into a a phase of orange risk level as opposed to being in yellow like the state has been, you know, in a lot of places for a number of months now, uh, a lot of these coaches, you know, it's a simple thing. Uh, a lot of people are looking to them as, as I don't know if they're, you know, necessarily a role model, but they're public figures. And so they need to be setting the example for not only the other guys on their staff, whether it be assistant coaches or trainers, but to be able to have these NFL games continue to go on like they have through two weeks. Um, I, I hope that we see these NFL coaches take things seriously moving forward. You saw John Gruden who, you know, was interviewed after the game and they they asked him about his mask because what happened is all of these other coaches from Sunday's games had been fined or the report came out that they were fined during the Monday night football game. And so they were asking John Gruden about it after the Raiders win. And John Gruden, uh, Paul Gutierrez had the quote uh, of ESPN, uh, John Gruden saying, I'm doing my best. I've had the virus. I'm doing my best. I'm very sensitive about it. I'm calling plays. I just want to communicate in these situations. And if I get fined, I'll have to pay the fine, but I'm very sensitive about it. And I apologize. And I think that that was a good response from John Gruden. You know, I get that you're caught up in the the moment, the regular routine of calling plays and whatnot. He even said that he's had the virus. And so he, he understands what it's like to go through that on a personal level. But I hope that we see these NFL coaches take it more seriously in the coming weeks uh, because, you know, almost $2 million in fines because uh, not only are these 
coaches fined $100,000. Each organization was reportedly fined a quarter of a million dollars as well. So pretty hefty fines from the NFL. They're taking it seriously, which is good to see. Hopefully we can see the NFL coaches step up and you know continue to wear these face coverings during the games or start wearing them if they've failed to do so. So that way we can continue to see the NFL season go on without any bumps in the road moving forward. So That'll wrap it up for this week's episode of the Yards After College podcast. Again, follow us on Twitter at KSL Sports. You can check out all of the locals in the NFL, their performances on kslsports.com. Follow me on Twitter at Kyle Ireland and on Instagram at Kyle Ireland KSL. Thanks again for tuning into the Yards After College podcast powered by kslsports.com. Yeah.